0: You're listening to RiverCast, brought to you by River of Life Church in Gilderland, New York. Now here's Pastor Sean. Such a good reminder just how important our relationship with God is and salvation in His kingdom that there's nothing in the world like it. I couldn't help but think of our students and uh, I don't know if you are in that rhythm. There's so many in our church either are teachers or educators or you know, college students or Or professors or have kids that are going to school, but uh, this month is kind of a painful month for all of you guys. So I just was thinking, you know, there are going to be a lot of kids who are like, I'm hearing, but I'm not understanding online or whatever. So this season, we need to specially pray for them, have some mercy for them, uh, certainly along the way. Well, uh, when my wife and I, my family, when we were on vacation a couple of weeks ago, we were leaving Maine and we were coming back to New York, and uh, we were we kind of hit the road kind of early. You know, it was one of those deals like, okay, it's really time for breakfast now. So we kind of scoped on you know online to find the the nearest diner or whatever. And we got off the exit and we kind of I thought it was going to be kind of like a I don't know like a, a big truck stop and diner kind of situation, and then we kind of found this spot I'm like that doesn't look much like a place to eat honey and we had one of those moments I guess it is I'm like well I'm not sure sure honey you ever have those you know husband and wife in the car you know turn right no left turn right you know one of those deals so anyway we ended up pulling in the parking lot and I'm kind of doing a lap around the parking lot trying to scope out is this worth stopping can we get in there you know and all of that and next thing I know I hear a bang and feel a jolt in my in the car i was I was pulling a, a, a trailer that we have like three canoes and a couple of kayaks, and obviously I hit somebody and I, or at least that was what I assumed. and I got out thinking, what in the world? Like I didn't see anything or anybody. and I kind of was thinking, well, maybe I must have been turning and kind of too sharp and caught a car and anyway, I got out and as I kind of looked at the car on the way back because it's a long trailer, it's like twenty feet long and I'm like, my car is in a straight line. I'm like, I couldn't have hit anybody, and sure enough, somebody had missed me. I don't know how. He just he didn't look at all, apparently, and just backed right into my into my trailer. And that's uh, not a comfortable feeling because I uh, just like, you know, I really want to get home. I really want to deal with this and all of that, and... We kind of looked at things, and he had an older car. I think he said it had 300,000 miles on it. And we looked at the trailer that he had, my trailer that he had hid, and it, it had knocked off a, there's a dust cap that, that goes on the wheels. that's meant to keep the grease in and the dirt and dust out, and that was gone. Like, we looked for 20 minutes, couldn't find the thing, and I'm thinking, how am I going to get this trailer home? You know, this I can't get this home without this fixed. And long story short, I had two options in that moment. I could either call the authorities and so that we could, you know, exchange insurances and do that whole routine or I could have mercy on the guy and figure out how to get home. I had a choice and instead, thankfully, Tractor Supply was nearby and we just decided, you know what, it's a dust cap and it kind of damaged my fender but I'd figure it out and we made our own way home and after lows and Tractor Supply, none the worse for the wear and paid our money. Jesus told us, He said, "'Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy.'" There's not a day that goes by in your life and my life when we need to either give or receive mercy. Mercy, unfortunately, is a far too rare and precious commodity. People by nature need mercy, And it's so significant that we'll see that mercy lies at the very heart and character of who God is. And that those who are followers of Jesus, mercy should be something that naturally that we give day in and day out, not just to one another, not when we're behaving ourselves or on our best behavior, but even when we're tired, even when we're agitated, that we're to be a people who give mercy. So take your Bible... And uh, you can turn to Matthew five. I mean, these these the Beatitudes are easy, right? They're like, what, it takes me all of five seconds to read them, so we don't have a big passage, but we're gonna look at a couple of other passages that go along with it. But in Matthew chapter five, Jesus gave us, he gave us kind of eight pathways that come together as one about what how to be blessed and, and not only in this life, but really ultimately spiritually. Jesus is trying to reorient us to help us to understand what real blessing is. We think blessings are you know, new, new cars or new-to-us cars, or we think it's that job or something working out in our favor or our package from Amazon coming in a day early or you know, getting a little time off or whatever. We, we think of those as blessings of life, and, and, and indeed they, they are and can be. But Jesus is trying to reorient us to a whole different frame of mind, a whole different focus, and He says in verse 7, Blessed are the merciful for they shall receive mercy." This is not spiritual karma. It's a common concept today, the Eastern religions that have slipped into our just our common way of thinking, and even Christians can fall into that. Well, if I do this, then that's going to come my way. If I do good things, then kind of this cosmic universe is going to kind of just bless me. And if we're not careful, we even begin to treat God that way, almost bartering. Well, if I do this, then God will do that. And if I do that, then God will do this. And... That's not what Jesus is talking about. This is not spiritual karma that, you know, if I bless, if if I give mercy, then I'm always going to get mercy. No, it's actually something very different, and I'll talk about that in a minute. So I want to kind of give you a frequently asked questions about, you know, a fact about mercy. And the, the first one is, what is mercy? I can't think of a summer in a very long time when our whole country Desperately needs mercy. I can't think of a time when we just, I mean, between the protests, between COVID, between, you know, all that our teachers are going through, uh, I feel for our teachers now as they are trying to juggle and navigate teaching, and students are doing the best that they know how to do, and teachers are gonna do the best they know how to do. We all desperately need mercy. So what, what really is mercy? Mercy, I want you to think of mercy as compassion in action. It's a feeling that culminates in an action. It's something that we we look towards someone else and our heart is moved. We're touched with sympathy. Not so much just pity, but we sympathize and we, we have compassion on them and we want to do something to help them. We want to take action with that. Mercy ultimately is an act of love. The reason that mercy is in short supply is because love, that whole love your neighbor as yourself is in short supply. It's, if we truly love our neighbor, then we mercy is going to naturally, ultimately flow from us to them whenever we see the challenges that they're, they're facing. Mercy comes when, in two directions, if you will. And, and the reason we need it is because we all get into a mess. We all have Difficulties and challenges and things that happen to us in life. Sometimes it's stuff that we do. Sometimes it's things that we haven't done anything that just come to us. So when our our neighbor gets cancer and we see them walking through those difficulties, they need mercy. They need someone to step up and help them, to love them, to have some compassion that tangibly reaches out to them with action. We we have those, those challenges. A number of years ago, in fact, a long time ago, I was working for the state of Maine. And uh, I had... uh, My job that summer was to survey, like, airports and uh, blueberry fields and and grasslands and farmlands for particular bird species, right? So they issued me a little Chevy S10 truck, you know, the little, like the little rangers, you know, just a little thing. And it was somebody's hand-me-down to somebody's hand-me-down to somebody's hand-me-down, right? So this thing had a lot of miles on it. It was one of those that you pray every time you got in it that it started and would get you there and back. And, And so I would, off I would go and I would drive that thing and and I remember going into a new a new field and driving down this dirt road, this kind of pathway out into the back to to where I would get out and do my thing and and it kind of dropped down into this this kind of uh, just this ditch. It was just kind of little like almost a small brook going through. It was just really a wet spot. My side was high, and that side was high, and I really wanted to get to the other side. So I kind of, in my young naivety, you know, I had never owned a truck before, and not a rear-wheel drive truck without any weight in the back, and it wasn't four-wheel drive. It was just two, right, you know? So, I mean, those things can spin and get stuck on wet grass. I mean, they just have no traction whatsoever. And I kind of gunned it. I thought, well, if I just go, you know, I can get through this and the other side. And I managed to get to the other side, but the problem was the other side wasn't nearly as good as it looked, and I got stuck. And I was, I don't know, a mile in off the road, and and it wasn't awful, but I, I couldn't go anywhere. So I got out, and I played with it. I bet an hour trying to you know dig and kick and get some dirt and get the junk out of it. And I managed to get it unstuck, which was a miracle of itself. But literally about 30 feet back, I got it stuck, and that time I really got it. I mired it almost right to the axles. I mean, I was like, I'm not getting out of this. So I had no choice. This was pre-cell phone which shows you how old I am to the youngsters in the crowd. But So I had no choice but to walk back to the main road. And this is rural country. I mean, this is not city. I can't just knock on the neighbor's house and call my boss. I'm like, how am I going to get out of this thing? I don't even know who to call. There's like, there's no tow truck places around here. I was in the middle of nowhere. And so I just went covered in mud, knocked on the first door that I came to and thinking, how in the world, this person's not even going to let me in their house to use their phone. Like I wouldn't let me in there. I mean, I was complete mud you know and this this older guy came and came to the door asked what the problem was he said sir can i use your phone he's like tell me what's wrong i said oh, I'm, I'm across the road i'm stuck and whatever and work for the state and and would you know he happened to have a four wheel drive truck and i thought yes thank you and he took me up there let me mud and all sit in his cab didn't make me ride in the in the bed and we drove up there and he pulled me out like nothing he had mercy on me I didn't deserve it. In fact, it was kind of my fault. I really should have known better. I should have said, you know what? Let me just park on this side and play it safe, and I'll walk the half mile, or whatever I got to do, to get to the other side. And I made my own mess. But I needed somebody who had greater resources than me, somebody who had the time to help me. I needed help. I couldn't get myself unstuck. You see, the reason that we need mercy in our life is because you and I get into situations where we get stuck. And we need people around us who have resources that we do not have. We need people around us who are unstuck. I sometimes I know there's a tendency whenever we're battling sin for us to want to go to that next person that's battled the same sin because we feel like they've got the experiences to help us. And there can be some truth in that. But to be real honest with you, I didn't need help from another guy who was stuck himself. I needed help from a guy that wasn't stuck. I needed help from a guy who wasn't who didn't get into the stuck place in the first place. I needed him to help pull me out, to get me out of the mud and spiritually. So we, Jesus is challenging us to give mercy, to be merciful as people, because every one of us in this room, will get into situations that are not our fault. That one was kind of my fault. not I mean, it was mine. I was behind the wheel, but I just I didn't mean to. I wasn't doing anything malicious. And we get stuck in life. Spiritually, we get into a dead end and we get stuck. Sometimes, even on top of that, sometimes we do things that are wrong and that we need mercy. You see, there's another side to mercy. Mercy is is a function of love. And because we grant it to people, just as that man granted to me mercy, helped me get out from all of that and was merciful in, in my world, that he he showed love tangibly to me in that way. But there's a second piece of why we need it, and that is because we all do things that are wrong. We all will commit wrong things toward other people. And those other individuals, when that happens and we've done something, we've 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 all been short with one another as our spouses, you know. Um, you might be at, at Home Depot or at the store or something, the grocery store, when you're trying to buy something and you, you're, just, you're not having a good day, you're tired and worn out, and you call up you know, your spouse and like, what was that that we really, you know, and attitude's coming out of the phone. You need mercy from your spouse. Now they you know certainly used to be like, yo, I haven't done anything wrong. Why? What's with the attitude? But you need mercy from them. You see, that's where mercy also involves forgiveness. You see, if you and I are to be people who are merciful, we're going to be people who grant forgiveness. You can't be a person of mercy without being a person who knows how to consciously forgive the other individual. In fact, these two ways of mercy are illustrated in Jesus' parables. Remember the story of the Good Samaritan? Jesus told the story about the man who fell among thieves and they stripped him naked and and beat him and stole all he had and left him on the side of the road. And along came two religious leaders at different times, and they both passed by, which is a warning that religious people, very religious people, if they're not careful, can also be very merciless, not unmerciful, unloving people. And Jesus said, here comes along a Samaritan. And he saw the man and he had pity on him and he reached down to him and he bound up his wounds and, and, and gave him triage, if you will, kind of EMT work along the side of the road and put him on his own donkey and carried him off to the innkeeper and told the innkeeper, he said, here's two, here's two days wages. You take care of him, whatever he needs. And when I come back, if you've had to spend more, he wrote him a blank check. He said, I will pay whatever it has cost you to make this man better. He didn't do anything wrong, that man, and yet the Good Samaritan had mercy on him. Jesus told another story about mercy, about a servant who went to to his master and and said his master was calling him due. He owed him 10,000 talents, which one talent is 20 years' wage. He owed him 20,000 years' worth of income. I don't know how much that is in base with what you earn, but you're never going to earn that, right? That's way more than your lifetime you'll ever see. I don't care how good the stock market goes, it is never going to get to that point of interest for you. He owed something that he could not possibly pay. In fact, the master said, I'm going to sell you, your wife, and your kids into into slavery. You're going to be sold into debtor's prison until you can ultimately pay it back. And the guy fell on his feet and said, have pity on me, have mercy, please. And Jesus said, you know what that master did? He said, I forgive you of all of that debt. But then you know what that young, that man did? He went to his friend who owed him a 100 days' wages, peanuts, pennies, all right, compared to the millions of dollars that he owed. And he took the guy by the throat and, pay me what you owe me. And the guy said, I will. And he said, I don't care. And he threw him into debtor's prison. And Jesus, as he told the story, says the master called back that first servant. He said, what are you doing? I forgave you all of that. And you turn around and hold this other guy accountable? And the master, in turn, held him responsible for all of that. You see, Jesus tells us that mercy is required because we fall into a mess. And mercy is required that we are required to give mercy to others because they're going to wrong us. And we, in turn, are going to wrong other people as well. And we must, in those situations, to give forgiveness. Jesus said, blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. So where does mercy come from? You might be like, Sean, it's hard for me to forgive. You know, it's one thing to pull out your four-wheel drive and go help somebody out of the mud and have mercy on them. It's another thing when somebody has deeply offended you, when they have wronged you deeply and lied to you, maybe stolen from you or cheated, and you've been wounded at your heart, And You've walked through that life, and then Jesus says, you need to forgive them. Sean, I'm not feeling very merciful to that person. I hope they get everything that they completely deserve. I'm not a very merciful person, Sean. You know where mercy really comes from? It comes ultimately from the heart of God. Look at what Exodus says. You don't have to turn there. Oops. Look at Exodus chapter 34. Exodus 34, look in verse 6. Moses is up on Mount Sinai the second time, and he's about to, uh, second time around, chisel the Ten Commandments. The second time, they weren't given once, they were given twice. I'll let you read that story on your own. And he's up on the mountain, and the Bible says that God is coming down, and He's going to proclaim His name. So God's given the Ten Commandments and God is proclaiming His name to Moses, showing that the Ten Commandments really are a reflection of the character of God, the name of God. And here's what God said. This was the name that God proclaimed. Listen carefully. It says this, The Lord passed before Moses and proclaimed in verse 6, The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful. First character out of the box. God said, Here's my name. I am the I am. I'm merciful. First name. First character. I am the merciful, gracious, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands. And it keeps on going in verse 7. I'm actually going to talk about the last part of that in just a minute. You see, mercy comes from the very heart of God. In fact... When God is trying to reveal to Israel exactly who He is, and that's what the Ten Commandments are, like we talked about last week, they're God's righteousness on paper, or in Moses' case, God's righteousness written on stone. And when God is trying to convey who He is personally and what His nature is, the first word out of God's mouth after telling us His specific personal name, the I Am, He says the I Am is a merciful God. Merciful You see, mercy comes naturally from the character of God. I cannot think of another attribute of God that is so different than all of the gods of all the other religions in the world. This this attribute is different than all. All gods claim to have some power at some level. They claim knowledge at some level. They claim to have abilities. And they claim to care at some level for the people with them. And those are the gods that people can see. But this God... The God of heaven, the I Am, the great I Am, who is infinite and no beginning and no end, at the very heart of His character, He is a merciful God. He's not just a God of of justice, but He's a God of of mercy. He's a God who grants forgiveness, who lets people off the hook, who says, I'm not going to give you what you deserve. Oh, I recognize what you've done but I'm going to give you mercy." You see, that's why we're blessed when we give mercy. It's not that somehow we earn that mercy when we give it. It's not like, well, I just was merciful to somebody today, I'm going to put a little mercy change in my change cup, because who knows, but two days later I might need some of that back, right? It's not that at all. In fact, what. Jesus is telling us, remember, keep the picture. These are all a picture together of our one heart for God. When you and I are merciful to others, it's demonstrating the reality that we are reflecting the nature and character of our God. You and I are not born merciful into this world. Our babies merciful. I mean, I keep going back to, to the baby thing, but let's just get to our most basic life. Moms in the room, Was your, were your kids ever really merciful to when they were young? Did you ever be like, honey, mommy's got the stomach flu right now. I really can't take care of you. You know, mommy had a tough day at work. You know, mommy's just tired, not feeling well. Kids don't care. They don't have mercy. That's not naturally in us is who we are as people. Now, later on, mercy, hopefully they learn as they grow, right? That's part of that whole maturing process of who we are as people. The reason is because mercy naturally comes from the heart of God. And when you and I are merciful, what it is saying is this, is that you and I have a relationship with the Lord Jesus, that He has forgiven and saved us, and He has transplanted His nature into our souls, and it is growing and increasing. And as we live our life, We are living in a way that is a reflection of God's grace. And instead of God holding us to justice because of our sin, He has been merciful to us and He will continue to. It shows us the reality of that. That's what Jesus is talking about. He's saying when we're merciful that we no more reflect the nature and character of God than when we give mercy to the people around us. It comes from Him. Well, how do we give mercy when we're wrong? But Sean, what is? How, you you don't know about that situation that I'm thinking of right now. I'm mad, Sean. I was I was harmed. How can I be merciful to that person? How can God let that person off the hook? How do you give mercy when you've been wronged, Mom and Dad? How do you give mercy? Do you? Do you never hold your child to account and say, well, I'm just going to give mercy today. I'm going to let them off the hook. I'm going to let them off the hook. I'm going to let them off the hook. Teachers, do you always just show mercy and never you know, give the grade to the, the student that they've earned, that they've deserved and worked through? If we're to just be merciful people, how do we not just turn around and Give mercy to everybody around us, and you know, you get in an accident and somebody told us your car. Well, Sean told me this nice little story in Maine about getting an accident and not calling the police. I guess I shouldn't call, you know, this guy just totally totaled my car. I guess I just gotta eat that bill. No. How, how do you how do you show mercy when you've been wronged? Well, let's take the cue from God. Second part of that, Exodus 34, says this. The Lord is a merciful and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love, faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, but, verse 7, but, who will by no means clear the guilty. In fact, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children and the children's children to the third and the fourth generation. We see there the two natures of God, or the the two aspects of this, that God is merciful and wants to forgive on one hand, but God is also a God of justice and He will by no means clear the guilty. How can God be merciful to somebody? Because people only need mercy, or one aspect of them needing mercy is when they're guilty. Let me take you to Hebrews. Just one one short little verse in here. The answer is, is in Jesus. Look what Hebrews chapter 2 says. And talking about Jesus, it says this. Therefore, He, meaning Jesus, had to be made like His brothers in every respect. In other words, He had to be a human being, had to endure all the temptations that you and I went through, had to be flesh and bones that you and I experienced. And He had to be made like His brother in every respect so that He might become a merciful, and faithful high priest in the service of God to make propitiation, good Bible word there, for the sins of the people. Get the picture. Jesus, God the Father, sent Jesus to this earth to stand... And you're in my shoes to live our life, to live with all the temptations, all the headaches, all the offenses that you and I go through. There's nothing that you're going to go through in your life that Jesus didn't go through in some way himself. And he did that so he could become a merciful, to give mercy to us and be a faithful priest. A priest is one who stands between God and people. They're an intermediate kind of person. They're a uh, not even really an arbiter. They just, they, they, they act in behalf of both parties. So Jesus came, who was God, and also became man, so he could stand in the middle ground between God and between us as people. And he gave his life, the Bible says there, a propitiation for our sins. That means that he died on the cross. It's referring to his death on the cross, and him taking the wrath of our sins that we deserved and we earned, so that we could be forgiven of that. The reason that God in heaven can be merciful to you is because Jesus died on the cross for your sins. And when you in your life see the, what Jesus did for you and you surrender your life to Christ, when you repent of those sins, turn away from them, put your back to them and say, God, I know that I've done all this, but I don't want to do that anymore. God, I want Jesus. I trust Him to save me and to be my Lord and Savior. When you take that step, the negative side turning away from sin, the positive side receiving Jesus as Lord, in that moment, upon you, God presents mercy. That even though you're guilty, in reality, in your past, all of your guilt is transferred to Jesus. And Jesus paid for the price for those sins. So that God can now look at you and say, I have mercy on you. You are now forgiven of all of those things. You see, Mom and Dad, when your kids do wrong, giving mercy doesn't mean you throw out standards out the window. What it means is in that moment, that there's there's times when your child knows they've messed up. And when your child in their heart turns away from that, And they apologize, take responsibility, and look to you for mercy, it's appropriate for you to give it. Now, sometimes as parents, we don't give it, or we give it and we think we're giving mercy and we're really not. What we're giving is indulgence. We're we're indulging our kids or enabling them. You see, mercy only, when God gives us mercy as people, He recognizes the wrong, and there is a payment of that. And He in turn, that's the first condition of giving mercy. And the second condition is you and I receiving that mercy through repentance and faith in Jesus. And so when a person really is looking for mercy and really genuinely asking forgiveness, they recognize that there might be some consequences. But they're looking to you for mercy. And in that moment... You make a decision, mom and dad, what those consequences and how to respond. But being merciful to our kids doesn't mean that we just let them off the hook at everything that they do. In fact, Jesus says he will by no means clear the guilty. Being merciful with those in our life doesn't mean that we others in our life doesn't mean that we ignore <clears throat> the things that they've done wrong. And we're able to extend mercy to them when there's a recognition from them genuinely in their heart. They're not making excuses. They're not denial. They're not blaming. They're even really to, willing to take responsibility for the depths of what they've done. And in that moment, we have the opportunity to be extremely merciful and say, I forgive you and let you off that hook. Well, Sean, I thought we were supposed to forgive everybody. Well, we are. But you can forgive people and then still be accountable and have to suffer the consequences of what they've gone through. But there's a time, just as what we saw with Jesus, with God, He is merciful to us. And we don't receive those consequences because somebody else did. That we, in turn, can give mercy and say, you know what? I know that what you did was wrong, but I'm willing to bear the price of that. Just like I did with that guy. I knew when when we agreed and I didn't call the police that I was going to have to buy a new dust cap. I think it cost me 20 bucks and, you know, a little bit of headache and heartache and it was no big deal, no big, you know, no no huge thing. I didn't grant write him a $1000 check, but I was merciful. It was clearly his fault. He knew it was his fault. And you and I should grant mercy. Now, We're able to do that because of the character and nature of God. When God shows His mercy into our life, it's naturally a part of us, guys. And when we live out these beatitudes, we're poor in spirit. We know that we're not perfect. We are meek. We aren't fighting for our rights and putting ourselves out there. And we carry those attitudes with us that we know that there are people around us that need our mercy because we're no better than they are, and we're no different, and we're in the exact same situation in the same boat. So Jesus challenges us to be merciful, to care, to have compassion, to put ourselves in the shoes of other people and what they're going through. Not to indulge them. When you and I just let people off the hook indulgently, all we're doing is enabling them to continue the wrong down the road. In fact, we're not being very nice to them because we're just letting them think that they can get away with stuff all the rest of their life. He tells us to be merciful. So my question to you this morning is very simple. Who in your life right now needs your mercy? For those of you that are married, is it your spouse? See, our spouses need mercy probably the most. We're with them the most. Odds are, and they're just as sinful as everybody else around, and odds are they're going to need more mercy from you than anybody else in your life. We should remember with our spouses and our relationships that there should be a handle with care sign. We probably ought to all put one up in our kitchen or our door frame when we go in. Our spouses, we don't need to see them as fragile. It shouldn't be like the point that, you know, I'm not talking about some, as I've talked with couples, I feel like I'm walking on eggshells. I can't, I don't know what to say. I get in trouble every little thing I do. I'm not talking about that. But there ought to be a handle with care. Most spouses, most couples that I talk with, there's moments when you handle one another with care. But there's moments where you handle one another roughly. Not gently, not mercifully, but rough. And our relationships, one with another, should not be that way. Your spouse desperately needs your mercy. Mom, dad, you know your kids need mercy. Parents, your parents, your adult parents need mercy. Your boss at work might need mercy. All the crazy changes going on at work right now, people around you need a lot of mercy. People are doing the best they know how to do. When the guy that hit me, you know, backed into me, he needed, he needed mercy. It helped that I thought it was my fault at first, you know, so I didn't come out like, what did you do? I, I literally had no clue that, you know, what had just happened. But he needed mercy. He didn't need attitude from me. He needed, he needed mercy. There's not a day that goes by where you and I are not needing to give mercy to somebody. Somebody around us. We're needy as people. And mercy is one of those top-end needs that we just can blow by. So Jesus tells us, guys, you're blessed when you're merciful because we no more reflect the character of God than when we're extending mercy to others. And when we do that, we're extending them the same mercy that God extended to us. If you are struggling to forgive, you're struggling to love, you're struggling to have compassion, struggling to grant, to pay the price for somebody else for their mercy, you need to do simply one thing is to turn around and say, God, you are merciful to me. God, all the stuff that I've done wrong, you forgave me. God, would you help me to turn around and have mercy for that other person? Jesus told us that we are to be merciful. As we head into our our time for our Lord's Supper here in just a minute, I want to help prepare our hearts for that. I can't think of a better passage of Scripture to read because the Lord's Supper is a reminder as we partake of this juice and the cracker. It's a reminder of the mercy that God has given us. Jesus told us to do this regularly. He didn't tell us exactly how often we were to do it, but, but it was to be regular. And when we do it, it should be ref- we should be reflecting our hearts and worship to God in heaven who was merciful to us. The whole reason God extends His mercy to us or can is because Jesus died on the cross. Make no mistake, if Jesus hadn't died on the cross, you and I would have no mercy in our life and we would all suffer the punishment eternally separated from God in heaven. Forever, without any hope, without any mercy, without any grace, without any relinquishing, just a relentless punishment for the wrong that we've done. So we should celebrate this morning and be excited as a church body as we share this together, declaring it's a declaration of the mercies of God that we have. And consequently, some people get some of the religious things that we do, and honestly, some churches have down through the centuries and histories have taught them wrong. They've put meaning to these things that really are not there. And, and some people, when they take of the, this, this communion, the Lord's table, they almost can see it as somehow that just doing that is going to earn them forgiveness or help wash away their sins or somehow do that. And folks, I, I got these off of Amazon. They're going to be a little clunky because there's two little tabs when you take them. There's a clear tab, pull number one for the cracker, pull tab number two for the juice. And I'm willing to bet, and it's probably going to be me because I've already dropped it twice, it's probably going to be me that spills this. There's nothing special about these elements. But they're to remind our brain and our heart of what does matter. And that is the mercy of our Lord Jesus on the cross doesn't matter how they're packaged. They could be in an orange little thing. They're in a nice little purple thing with a cross. What's important is that they remind us of the reality. That's all. They're they're like a picture, a photograph, right? Most of you probably don't go around kissing a picture, you know, on your phone or, you know, a literal picture because they're just a reminder of what that person is like. That's what this is. It's a picture. It's not what saves us. It's a picture of what did save us already. And so we participate in this as a reminder of what Jesus already did. And it's a reminder of our faith that we took that step of faith and entered into a state of mercy with God when we surrendered our life to Jesus. We turned from our sins and trusted Him fully as Lord of our life and had faith. And so as we participate in this, it's a reminder of God's mercy to us And it should be a tangible reminder of the same mercy that you and I should in turn show to everybody else this week. It should remind us of that because it's out of God's mercy that we reflect His mercy. So I'm going to give you a couple minutes just of of silence and pass. When we've done the Lord's Supper, we always have some music playing to help us with that a little bit. Uh, This morning it's going to be quiet. So you take a few minutes and pray before God. Give some thanksgiving for His mercy for you. And if you're sitting there and like, Sean, I don't know that I've ever really trusted Christ. Take this time to take that step with God and say, God, I I surrender my life to you. See, this isn't what saves you. Jesus does. And until you take that step of faith, you really shouldn't take this. It's not for you. You don't have the memory. You don't have the reality to remember. This is only for those who, in reality, who have surrendered their life to Jesus and trusted Him as Lord of their life. And when they've done that, God gives them, us a picture that we can stick up in our car you know, and look at all the time, if you will, and it's to, to, to participate in this. So pray through what we've talked about, about your mercy toward others. Put your focus in your heart and worship the Lord God in heaven for what He did for you on the cross. But take this just these few seconds to worship Him and I'm going to read I'm going to pray for us and I'm going to read a passage and we'll participate in this together so pray with me would you Father it can be difficult for us to sit in silence sometimes we so like the noise and the commotion and silence makes us deal with you and puts us alone in our thoughts and our heart with you the things that people have thought about who they have committed to you, the things that they've been thinking and praying about as we've been talking about your word. Father, I pray your blessing upon those things. Lord, we all struggle to give mercy. I'd be first in line with that. There's times when I don't want to give any mercy. I just, I've been offended. I've been, I want to stand up for what I feel like I deserve. And Lord, I'm so glad that Jesus didn't do that. But in my moment of need, He actually stepped forward and conferred mercy by dying for my sins. Lord, I'm grateful for that reality and I'm grateful for that model of the way I should live my life. Father, help us as individuals, as families to reflect that mercy. I pray that as a church we would be mercy givers looking for ways to give mercy. Not just willy-nilly, or lackadaisical, or just enabling, but that we would work in such a way to help people experience mercy, your mercy, through us. So Father, as we enter into this time of worship, thank you for Jesus dying. Thank you for his love. In his name I pray. Amen. I'm going to read 1 Corinthians 11 just to, to remind us the early church at Corinth struggled to do this well. In fact, it, it was a major problem in their church. And folks, this may feel a little, you know different to you if you've now's the time where you can grab the little little cups in front of you. In fact, in all seriousness, look at the little tab there. There's a little clear one. That's the one that releases the cracker. I think I haven't opened one of these up. And the big one, the metal, you know, the aluminum foil looking thing is the one that does the juice, right? So this is a little bit different than what we're used to, but it's okay. It's just, it's all right. It's just another way of doing it. And so we don't want to make the mistake of what the early church in Corinth did. And so Paul told them in 1 Corinthians 11, he said in verse 23, he said, For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you. At the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed, he took bread. And when he had given thanks... He broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, also he took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, the new new relationship that you're getting in in a relationship with me. He says, do this as often as you drink it, in remembrance of Me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until He comes." The very act of this is a proclamation of what Jesus did in the past, and the mercy that He had on our soul that we experience now in the present, and a proclamation that He's coming in the future to give us that. So I'm going to pray and give thanks to God. You can go ahead and put those cups back in the little... Uh, what do you call those cup holders, I guess? I don't know. There's probably a fancy word for them. But let me pray and close out our service. Father, thank You for the Lord Jesus. We're excited that He's coming back for us. Thank You that today we have abundant mercy in our life. And Father, I pray that we would not legalistically give mercy to others, but out of the overflow of love for You, help us to show that mercy. And Father, thank you that as we do, it's a reflection of your mercy that you've shown to us and that we have that same mercy ourselves. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hey, God bless you guys. Have a great week. Don't forget, sign up for the app. If you're new and want to take the Discover class, definitely do that. Otherwise, we're praying for a good Sunday next week. See you then. Thanks for listening to Rivercast, brought to you by River of Life Church in Gilderland, New York. Visit us on Sundays at 10 a.m. or online at riveralbany.com.